where we hope to shed light on one of the hardest competitions an athlete will ever face, the matchup against their own mind. Today, I sit down with Trey Moses. Trey grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. He was recruited to play Division I basketball at Ball State, and in 2020 was honored with the NCAA's Inspiration Award, an award reserved for people who use perseverance, dedication, and determination to overcome a life-altering situation, and most importantly, are role models giving hope and inspiration to others. Trey is currently abroad playing basketball, playing professional basketball in Australia. This episode has a little bit of a trigger warning um, up front. Trey and I talk throughout the episode about his own personal experience with wanting to self-harm in high school and, you know, in his freshman year of college being hospitalized as well as um, an attempt he had, but but I think like where where a big trigger warning comes to play is um, his junior year. He he found his teammate after his teammate had died by suicide. Um, I think this is a really important episode to listen to, while it is very emotional and. Um, really hits hits close to home I'm sure for a lot of people people listening I think that you know talking about the impact of mental health and what Trey was able and has been able to do since since that kind of moment and you know how he's been able to honor his friend Zach is so important and I'm really excited for for everyone to kind of take away something from this episode, um, I'm very honored and humbled that Trey came on the mental matchup to talk about, you know, everything um, because it is it is so important um, on a lot of different different fronts. So, with that, um, let's get into into the episode. Trey, thank you so much for coming on The Mental Matchup. I am extremely excited to have you on and to talk all things basketball, mental health, and, you know, just kind of share more about your story because I feel like it's very impactful and prevalent um, with just what what people are going through these days. So thank you for coming on. Um, if you could give us a quick little intro, who you are, where you are, and what what you do, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, so my name is Trey Moses. I'm from Kentucky, uh, but I'm currently in Australia playing basketball. Awesome. Um, what brought you to Australia? It seems like a big jump from Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. So just basketball. So this is my third year pro. Um, so I've been been here since March. And, um, you know, I love it here. It's um it's been good. We're playing well. Uh, we're in playoffs right now, so it's a crucial time of the year for us. Nice. Has basketball, like growing up, did you always know that you wanted to play basketball or were there any other sports in the mix? Yeah, so I played basketball and football growing up and then ultimately decided to just stick with basketball. And I think that it was probably the best decision for me. Um, 
but I, you know, I look back and I've always told everybody, like, I love football and I loved football growing up as well. Um, but ultimately I think that just the playing basketball was like the best decision for me. What was it like growing up in Kentucky? Yeah. So it was, you know, it was good. It was, I'm from, I'm from Louisville. So it's a lot okay. different than the rest of the state yeah. uh, where Louisville's like a lot more city. Um, but, you know, it was good, especially from like a sports standpoint. Um, good athletes, good athletes to look up to. And then obviously you have the sports with like Louisville and Kentucky being big rivals. Um, and obviously Louisville being the better program and everything. So it was, um, you know, it was, it, it's good. I, I love Louisville. I love being from there. And I, I take a lot of pride in being from there. What was... I guess you kind of touched on the sports culture, but growing up, what was the culture or conversation surrounding mental health in general, um, you know, in your direct community or in your house? Yeah. So I think for, um, you know, where I'm from, I don't think mental health is like something that, especially back then wasn't talked about. Um, for me, I think that especially being an athlete, it was kind of just, you know, suck it up, um, you know, toughen up, whatever it was. And, I, and that's a lot of stuff I got from my dad. And, you know, we've had conversations since. So this isn't something that he's going to hear and be kind of shocked about. But, you know, it was kind of tough feeling like I just had to kind of keep everything in or be tough or not that being tough is a bad thing, but I had to be tough. I couldn't couldn't cry, couldn't be upset. Um, and I look back now and I'm saying like all those feelings I had, like, those are just normal feelings, normal feelings that people have. And it doesn't make anyone a bad person for feeling any type of way that they feel, um, feelings are normal. Uh, we should be allowed to feel as humans and we should feel, uh, we shouldn't run from those feelings, but, um, more term, more in terms of mental health, like, you know, I feel like for me, I didn't know what depression, anxiety was until I was diagnosed with it my freshman year of college. Yeah, I think, I think to your point, sometimes too, as kids, it's hard to name emotions. Like, I don't think I was ever taught to be like, what are you feeling? And me to be like, oh, like, you know, draw a picture of like a cloud with rain. And for my mom to be like, that means you're feeling sad or like connecting feelings with emotions to like put names on it. I think as kids too, like you have a really hard time like just placing them and then even beyond that like if you're in a sport and you're fr like right like defining like what is actually like depression or anxiety and what is like frustration and what is mm -hmm. anger and what is like sadness um I think like that that's like another conversation that like parents should just be having you know with their kids like as they're growing up so it's easier to then define these things versus like, you know, suck it up. Because if you're like, I, I'm really frustrated about this play in a game and like, you know, I'm going to feel my feelings for a day and then get over it. But like, I need space to like do that. Um, when did your struggles with mental health kind of, kind of start? Can you walk us, walk us through that? So for me, I remember the first time it was when I was in seventh grade, <clears throat> I was, I wrote a note. We were obviously not supposed to be passing notes in class, but I was writing a note and I kind of just expressed to one of my friends that like, I just didn't want to be alive. Um, 
and I always said it was like kind of tough because, you know, for me, like I had everything. I was on the basketball team. I had a good family, like, you know, was going to a good school, had good friends. Um, you know, I had everything that a lot of people want, want, wanted, whatever. Um, and for me, I just still just felt, you know, I feel like just the feeling of like not wanting to be alive. And it was super tough for me, like having everything and not knowing. I think that was also what made me feel worse because it was like, why am I so down all the time? Or why am I having these thoughts of like not wanting to be alive? Like, and you add in not knowing, like, like no one else talking about what mental health is. It's like, okay, like, am I the only person feeling this way? Uh, so I feel like I just felt like an outcast in a sense. Um, and then going forward in terms of going to high school, that's when I started um, self-harming. Um, and no one really knew, or no one knew until my senior year of high school. I kind of want to dive into this a little bit deeper. So when, like back in seventh grade, did you flag or like eighth grade, ninth grade, did you flag it all to anyone or you just kind of head down, went through it with yourself? Did you feel like, like, actually answer that question that I will have different follow-up questions, if any. (laughs) uh so my I wrote that that note to the girl and she actually went and told our school counselor um and my school counselor pulled me out of class and I can like still vividly see it um and I remember coming out of class and I started like crying and I remember seeing one of my friends at her locker and then after you know kind of talking to the counselor I just felt embarrassed and so I, I made up an excuse on why I was feeling the way I felt and never talked about it again. And it, it, I, no one ever checked on me, nothing like that. Um, but I just, you know, made an excuse on why I was feeling the way I felt because I just genuinely was so embarrassed. Um, I mean, I'm kind of shocked. I'm not really shocked, but I feel like also partially on the guidance counselor to like follow up, even if you like, made an excuse for how you're feeling you know like it's I feel like it's relatively granted I'm not a guidance counselor and what they do is insane like dealing with kids and I god bless them but I feel like it's pretty easy right for like in two weeks time to just like tap you on the shoulder in the hallway or like bring you in for lunch and kind of follow up um I feel like that's like a huge miss on their part so, so you kind of say like, oh, is this or oh, is that? Um, no follow up. What kind of happens from there? I mean, this has got to be. I kind of went through something similar, and I never like until I was in high school, my sophomore year of high school. Like, I never really realized like what I was going through. Um, did you even? I don't know if like know the scope of it like you realize pretty early on that you couldn't really talk about it I guess I don't know I like how did the rest of high school go I feel like it's got to be really hard to hold this all in feel like you're gonna get in trouble if you say something and then also like not actually know what you're feeling or what you're going through and feeling like you're kind of like an alien in your own like body yeah yeah for sure so I um you know, like I said, high school is when I started self-harming and absolutely no one knew. 
Um, but I just felt like it was so hard because of like who I was, like I was an athlete, um, especially as I got older, like I was, you know, a, a popular athlete. Like, I don't like using that term popular, but I was like one of the more well-known athletes on, you know, in our school. Um, obviously like I'm a tall African-American male. Um, I have all these things where it's like, I just felt like I, me opening up, it would have just been told to be, to, to toughen up, to, to quit thinking like that, to whatever it was. Like, I just felt like me opening up and it, it just wasn't worth it. Um, one, because I didn't know how, and two, that it, it, it just would have been brushed over like it already was when I was in middle school. Um, so I felt like a part of me was just hiding so much from everyone. Um, and no one kind of really truly knew what I was going through. Um, so I felt like I, in a sense, I was living this double life of like, you know, good athlete, but then also a person who was really struggling deep down inside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also want to go back to what you said because it, I feel like it resonates with a lot of people, but saying like, I felt like I had it all. Like, I felt like I had the sports. I had this, I had that, um, can you like, can we like, I want to like peel back that layer. And I don't know, like now looking back, like, do you feel differently about, I don't know, like questioning how you were feeling based on your personal circumstances outside of your mental health? You know, I mean, it's, I think it's tough now. Like, I feel like I find myself being like, you know, I'm a pro basketball player. Like I have a great life, still have great family members, good friends. Like, and I think when I get in those moments of like struggle, I'm like, one, I'm saying to myself, you don't deserve this. Like you deep down, like I, that's what I'm saying to myself in moments where I'm struggling. And then two, it's like, you have all this stuff. Like, why are you so upset? But then, you know, my, my favorite thing to say to anyone, although I don't say it to myself as much is, you know, it's okay not to be okay. And, you know, I have to remember that even in my tough moments that, I deserve everything I've, I've ever gotten. Um, I deserve the people in my life. I deserve to be loved. I deserve good people. I deserve good friends. I deserve to be a pro basketball player because I've uh, God put made this plan for me. I've worked my tail off to get to where I am. Um, and I think it goes back to back then too. Like I, I, just because I was younger and may not have had as much sports success, like I still deserved all the love that I was getting. I still deserved all the the friends, all the schools, uh, the, everything I had. Um, I think that oftentimes we can get so caught up in um, one, what we don't have, or two, feeling like what we have is what we, we don't deserve it. But at the same time, I think it's one of those things that when we're going through it, we get we just got to remember that it's okay to, to not be okay. Couldn't agree more. Um... I do want to get into college. Um, so high school, you play football, basketball, and then you realize basketball is, you know, where you want to, what you want to pursue. Um, what was this decision like to play at the next level? And then on top of that, what was your like mental health like throughout like the end of high school as this was, as this was happening? Yeah, so basketball wise, like I was very under recruited growing uh, growing up throughout high school, and it really took getting to a, the right AAU program. 
Um, and so from there, like my junior summer, August or July to August, I got all 12 of my division one offers. Um, and I hadn't had a single offer before then, hadn't talked to a single coach before then. And it literally took a matter of 30 days to get 12 offers. And it, it's still crazy to me today to think about, you know, how much hard work I put in, how much doubt I had in myself because I wasn't getting these offers. I wasn't getting looks like from any level, like NAI, D3, D2, like I wasn't getting anything. And so I was just like beating myself up. But, you know, I really put my head down and kept going. Um, <clears throat> and then I had visited VMI and I loved VMI, but I think that, you know, that lifestyle just wasn't for me. And then I went to Ball State um, and I was talking to Coach Witt, who's one of, you know, it's like pretty much a father figure for me. And I know we'll get into it a little more later on, but um, had, has just done so much for me. I love him to death and I still talk to him today. But, um, you know, I had planned on committing Ball State's where I wanted to be, um, but I kind of wanted to enjoy the recruiting process a little bit just because, I, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know what it was like. Um, but he said to me, um, you know, if you don't commit, uh, if you don't commit today, we have another big coming in next week and that could be your offer. I was like, nah, let's just do it. And so I ended up committing and, and I loved it. Um, I loved every aspect of it. But in terms of mental health, um, you know, three days before I left, um, not, I don't know. I don't really think I've really talked about this to many people, but three days before I left, um, I had self-harmed and had like a Band-Aid on and I threw the Band-Aid away in the trash and my mom ended up finding it. She's like, asked me like, what's this from? And I was just like made up an excuse again. Like, oh, like, I don't remember what the excuse was. But then like three days before I left, um, I kind of had like a mental breakdown. And I remember just like going at my mom, like that Band-Aid you found, like that's literally for me self-harming. And I think that was like the first time that my mom found out how much I was struggling and I think that like you know my parents started to worry because it's like I'm leaving in three days I'm going three hours away from home a place that you know I'd been for the last 17 years um, to a place where I have been three times for for visits and that's it um, and so I would say like mental health wise like we weren't in the best place um, and it, it was also, you know, just normal mental health, but then it was also the fear of going to somewhere I'd never been. Yeah. I mean, yeah. College is weird too. It's like, you kind of just like pack a bag and leave everything you've known and like your support system that you've had for your whole life up until that point and are kind of just like plopped and on your own like I always think about like if I didn't have like sports and like a built-in community already set for me to kind of like plug into I don't know how I would have done in college like I would have oh, yeah. had a really hard time I'm like an introvert <laughs> like I would have had a hard time making making friends if I didn't have like a like lacrosse support system um mm -hmm. okay so you get to school What's freshman year like? How does it go? How's basketball? How are friends? And then on top of that, how is your mental health? And at this point, are you like talking to anyone about your mental health? Are you still kind of just going through it? What's it all look like? Um, I'm going to jump to the last question first. So 
my I don't know how it was for lacrosse, but for basketball, we had to be there in the summer. Um, so I know for us, I don't think any of our lacrosse girls were there during the summer, but we had usually like, just like fall sports. Yeah. Yeah. I think. yeah. Um, so we had um, a lady from the counseling center come in and give us a questionnaire about mental health uh, to all the incoming freshmen. And I remember it truth or I answered it truthfully, not thinking that it would, you know, kind of, I thought it just thought it would get brushed over again, like it did in middle school. And I remember her coming back to me the next week and that was my first taste of counseling. Um, so I started meeting with her once a week about, you know, everything. I met with her once a week for my whole freshman year. Um, and then she graduated and put me on to another counselor in the, the um, counseling center. Um, but um, also my freshman year, I was diagnosed as having severe depression and anxiety. So I was on medication, um, but it was just like, you know, like I said earlier, just like finding out that like, that's the reason why I was feeling the way I was and like not having any like sorts of idea of what depression, like, I don't even know that I'd heard the word um, before that. And it's just crazy to think about like how many people have gone through similar situations and have gone through so much pain and so much inner struggle and not known what they were going through simply because they were just uneducated. Um, and I think it starts with, you know, the school systems first and foremost, that mental health needs to be discussed. And then I think it also goes back to, you know, parents trying to educate as well. Um, not just parents, but whoever you're living with loved ones, caretakers, I think that, to help our kids be able to get through, um, get through, understand, learn, educate how to deal with themselves in those situations and dealing with mental health, but then also dealing with, um, you know, others, uh, you know, a lot of people lose people to um, mental health. And at the same time, it's a lot of people are having friends and, you know, some people just don't know how to, to handle it, I guess, but um in terms of basketball though freshman year was good um they wanted me to redshirt and I said there's not a chance I'm redshirting <laughs> and so I ended up you know losing a lot of weight uh, I got myself in great shape and I actually ended up starting the first game of that year um I started nine games as a freshman averaged 20 minutes a game had a pretty solid freshman year we won 20 games um friends wise I felt like I, you know, with my major being an edu being an education major, I was special education at the time. Um, a lot of my classes were like actually really small. Uh, so it was a chance for me to get to know people on a, like a deeper level. And I actually like met one of my best friends ever in one of my classes. And, you know, I was literally like living with her <laughs> for half my freshman year. Like we got so close and like, we're still friends today um she's actually getting married next month so I'm gonna be going to her wedding like super excited but it's just like you know I think college you know you meet the best of friends in college um no yeah definitely I had similar experience with my current friends from from school um in terms of your mental health I know you've you've talked about this um but your freshman year you were hospitalized mm -hmm. can you touch 
a little bit more on like what that I don't know what that was kind of like I feel like not many people get to hear about like hospitalization in a way that's not like negative um yeah 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 and I think it just goes back to like lack of education and like you know mental health is a scary topic um and these things can be scary to talk about because you think of hospitals and it's like worst case scenario people are like dying in the OR, right? I feel like we have certain perceptions, but if you could talk a little bit on that, um, that would be awesome. Yeah. So for me, I just, you know, there was the moment of just feeling overwhelmed and feeling very unsafe. And like, I wanted to self-harm and I wanted to hurt myself. Um, and I think that, um, you know, it was, it was important for me to open up about that. Um, because from there, um, you know, I'd gotten really close with our tra- our athletic trainer and my student advisor, and both of them were part of the reason I am who I am today. They took really good care of me in terms of having my back, um, but they, you know, were at the hospital with me. And then from there, uh, there was one practice my freshman year early on, and I was just crying before practice in the training room. And my trainer was like, you know, I think we should tell Coach Witt. And, you know, that's scary as a freshman to go tell a coach, like, you know, I'm struggling. Like, I'm going through it. Like, I'm here's what I'm dealing with. And I ended up going to tell him. And, you know, I remember him saying, you know, big fella, just, you know, head home. We'll talk after practice. I'll just tell the guys you're sick and, you know, you don't worry about it. You go take care of yourself. And, you know, from that point on, like, I'm getting a little emotional saying it, but like that point on, like, I knew Coach Witt had my back no matter what. I knew that he cared for me more than just being an athlete. I knew that, you know, he cared for me as a person. And um, as tough as my freshman year was, like, I found a great supporting cast and my coach, athletic trainer, and student advisor who genuinely cared. Um, and so the moments where I was hospitalized, um, you know, they had my back. Um, and so at the, um, I don't know what questions you had, but I'm kind of jumping forward probably, but at the end of my sophomore year, I was hospitalized as well after season and, um, you know, coach Witt was there, you know, he was there with me, um, and, you know, was checking on me, um, and, you know, my sophomore year is when I met Zach Hollywood, who uh, we immediately clicked his first summer on campus. We, um, I, I have camps for different Down syndrome organizations, and I had one back home. And he went back home with me to, um, to help out. And um, literally his first weekend on campus, and he decided he wanted to go with me. And, you know, that, that weekend, you know, we became best friends. And, you know, he was there for me, um, stayed with my mom. My mom loved him. Um, you know, there's, there was nothing not to love about him. But um, at the end of my sophomore year, he ended up redshirting my sophomore year, his freshman year. Um, so that summer, you know, we were grinding together, working hard. We in the same lifting group. Um, you know, we just really got along well. We were hanging out. Um, but when I was hospitalized, I remember him saying to me, like, bro, like, why didn't you, you know, you, why didn't you tell me? Like, you know, I would have been there. And so, you know, it's just like, a, okay, like my bad, bro. Like, you know, I understand. <clears throat> um, you know, we kind of finished the rest of that summer and, 
you know, really just pushing each other on and off the court. And, um, you know, it was, it was a great summer. Um, went to a concert together. Like that was my guy. That was my best friend. momentarily. I'd like to take a second to talk about Morgan's Message. Morgan's Message is a nonprofit founded in 2020 to honor Morgan Rogers, who was a beloved daughter, sister, and fiercely loyal friend. Through amplifying stories, resources, and expertise to confront student-athlete mental health, we are building a community by and for athletes and providing a platform, platform for advocacy Morgan's message aims to expand the dialogue on mental health by normalizing conversations, empowering those who suffer in silence, and supporting those who feel alone. To help us take a shot at mental health, to support our mission, or to find out more, head to morgansmessage.org or follow along on Instagram at morgansmessage. Let's get back to Trey. junior year um i think classes started on the 20th that year um my birthday's on the 21st um so we had people over for my birthday and there's just like something small like my teammate a couple of my teammates like my good friends like um it wasn't like some enormous party but you know we, it was you know <laughs> it was the people i cared about and i knew he was going through some things and it was, you know, I remember looking at him that night, like, wow, like this is the happiest I, I'd ever seen him. He just looked like I can still vividly see the images from that night of how happy he was and this big smile that just like lit up the entire room. And it, he was just such a warm and caring and loving person. And his smile only helped people feel that much more safe around him. Um, but I remember him saying, you know, bye, I love you, uh, gave me a hug and left. Um, and we had a team meeting that next day and I woke up at, you know, had class at 10, 10 to 10, 50, 11 to 11, 50. Um, so I was going to, or I woke up and I remember seeing four missed calls from him and two voicemails and I, you know, I didn't listen to the voice messages, but I was like calling him back um, on my way to class. I was texting him, like trying to make sure he was good. Uh, in between class, I was doing the same thing. And then when we, after class, I was walking to the arena just because our team meeting is, was at one, it was 11.50. So I was like, okay, like I'll just hang out until then. Um, but I remember seeing his roommate and our teammate Kyle Mallers and I said um you know have you heard from Zach like have you seen him today he's like no I was like well can you take me back to check on him and I remember walking in to Zach's room and he had shot himself in the chest and um it was uh you know I had to call the police and you know they're telling me to check his pulse and so I had to 
literally touch the body of like a dead best friend. And it was um, the worst day of my life. Um, but it was, you know, yesterday was actually five years since, since that could pass. So. Well, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I can't, I can't really imagine having to, to like see that, especially, but you do what I love is like, you talk about him with such a smile on your face and like the memories you have of him, you know, you talking about like, even if it was like at the party the night before, but just like what his legacy is, is more than that, which I think is really important to keep in mind. Right. Like I think we're not at a point as society where we can properly identify when people are hiding things. Right. And like have them like openly talk about what they're feeling because of so many different factors. And I'm sure you were such like, a light for him throughout the whole summer, throughout the whole year. Um, what was like, I mean, I am like getting emotional thinking about it and I'm kind of watching, not to put you on blast, but like kind of watching you get emotional, which like I totally understand. Um, but what was like after, I mean, after that, I'm assuming they put you in some sort of counseling program Um and then beyond that, how did that impact your own mental health? Um, yeah, so um, just to kind of give a little insight on the rest of the day, um, I texted our director of basketball operations and um, basically said, like, we're not, me and Kyle won't be at the meeting, like, please just understand like you'll find out soon and they're all blowing up our phones as you know we're talking to the police and I remember the lead officer um I gave him my phone to to talk to coach Witt and he said coach I'm sorry but your teammate uh, or your player Zach Hollywood took his life and I could hear Coach Witt say, what? And, um, and yeah, it was, um, it was just really tough. And we, um, me and Kyle, go to the police station. And, um, you know, they talked to us a little bit. And I still hadn't listened to the voice messages, but I left the lead officer. And he said, I know you haven't listened to him yet, but I just want you to know like Zach loved you so much and he cared about you so much. And, um, you know, I ended up listening to him later, but I just, I'm so thankful to have known Zach and to have gotten the chance to love him and care about him. But um, me and Kyle head back to the team after that and they have grief counselors there for everyone everyone's kind of huddled up and emotional and um we're all we're all hugging and 
you know, we literally just all stood there for 15 minutes. No words being said, just hugging as a team. And after that, we, um, we, he got us, um, he had a sports psychologist come in and talk to all of us. And, you know, probably for the next, you know, couple months, he would meet with us. Um, and then I'd gotten back into counseling and it, it was, um, you know, it was a tough year for us. We, you know, um, like the last two times I saw Zach were that way and then in a casket. Um, and it was, it, it was just an emotional year. And there were so many times where I just wanted to give up because I felt like I just wasn't like playing as well as like, you know, basically in, in the message Zach just said, like during the voicemail, he just said, go get everything that, you know, he want to get. And, you know, I believe in you. And I just felt like deep down, I was just like letting him down that year. And, um, and so, yeah, it was just like a tough year for all of us. Um, we did the best we could, um, you know, individually, I made third team all conference, um, Taylor Persons, my other teammate, he made second team all conference and, you know, it was a tough year, but I think, you know, we persevered really well and there's not a single person on that team who doesn't deserve everything because that was, excuse my language, but that was a hell of a year. We went through a lot as a team. Yeah. I mean, I, I like can't, I can't even wrap my head around, around it. Um, I mean, I feel like, like losing, losing someone you love is so hard as it is as like a standalone. And then you add into this layer of losing them to something mental health related. Um, And what's always been really tough for me is feeling like, well, it's twofold. Like one, how did I not realize like similar to what you said about, um, Zach, like the last time I had seen Morgan, she was the happiest she'd ever been. She was like, finally, like, I finally was like, I don't need to worry about her anymore. And then it kind of happens and you're like, what did I miss? Did I not ask the right questions? How did I not see it? And that's really hard for like a 19 year old to grasp. It's hard for a 25 year old, a 30 year old. Like, it's really hard. It doesn't like matter I think how old you are to grasp that and kind of like be like there is nothing you could have done like you did everything you could do if you like loved them and you let them know how valuable they were to you and you just treated them with love and respect throughout your entire relationship but I think beyond that and I don't know this is I guess also kind of a question for you is I had a little bit of like why like why was I able to get help and get on a plane and go see a psychiatrist and like 
you know, get to the point where like, I didn't think I was going to make it out of my apartment. And why wasn't she like, what was the difference? Because I think like, when you look at it from like a, like a, I don't know, like, I feel like there, I don't know if it's imposter syndrome or what is, what it is, but like thinking through why was, why was I able to get out of it? And why was she not? And like, why am I here today? And why is she not? Um, and why aren't we both here? Um, and I don't know if you, if that's been something too, that you've been dealing with since you have dealt with your, you know, share of mental health, um, things. Yeah, it is. Um, I think the, um, what kind of was tough was he was going back or he was going to counseling for the first time the following week. And everything was set up for him to get into counseling. And, you know, it's a tough pill to swallow because, you know, the December before I had remembered him telling me, um, you know, that he wanted to kill himself. And, you know, I took that pretty seriously and we tried to give him the help that he needed. And then also for him to, you know, call me four times, like, you know, you kind of live with that regret for the rest of your life. Although it's like, you know, it was 4 a.m. Like every person's going to be asleep, but you just live with that regret the rest of your life of, you know, if I had just answered one time, if I had just heard one of the four calls, then he may still very well be here today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's all kind of a guessing game because it could have been you saved him that time, but then not the next time. Um, And I think that's what's really like scary about mental health is that you just you never know. Um, Can you can you touch on a little bit of. I guess like the rest the rest of your collegiate career and how you were able to and if you were able to like build out a support system for you beyond like basketball I feel like basketball was probably an outlet is my assumption but like beyond that like counseling was a medication like what were you doing to kind of take care of yourself while you were going through something that's like truly earth and world shattering um yeah so for me um I had really struck like I can still vividly see everything with Zach that day and so it's like really tough for me because of how vivid it is and I was dealing with a lot of like vivid dreams um from that day like weeks and months after they I had gotten put on medication um in terms of support um they you know I don't know the percentage but they say a lot of people end up also taking their life after finding someone who takes their life. And so um, Coach Witt was really afraid that I would end up taking my life as well. And um, so, yeah, we just kind of built a support system specifically for me that included 
the head of the on-campus counselor. Um, him, our trainer, and our student advisor. And um, basically, I had to check it every week. Not that I had to, but it was like a weekly check-in. Uh, and, you know, I think counseling was really good for me. I think it's good for anyone, whether you're going through it or not. Um, in terms of how the rest of my career went, I had one season after that because um, that was my junior year. But it was, um, you know, not the year that we all wanted, but, you know, we did as well as we could, you know. Um, but it's just one of those things that, you know, I look back and as tough as that moment was, like, I'm so thankful for everyone after and how much support and how much care and how much love that, you know, we bonded with as a team, uh, you know, Coach Whit being just the man who he is today, like, I wouldn't be here without a lot of those people. And, um, you know, I had asked Zach's dad permission to wear the number 24 for my last two years, and he granted it to me. And so that was important for me to just continue his legacy because he never got a chance to even play at Ball State. But I just wanted to, like, continue his legacy because he was such a good person. He's a good player and just an even better person. And, you know, the world didn't deserve to see someone like him not, not be able to shine and not be able to shine their light on and off the court. But it was just important for me to continue all that. Um, so, yeah. In terms of, like, how... What would be any like pieces of advice to anyone listening on how you can kind of support those around you with their mental health or like open up these conversations? Um, I think it's deeper than just mental health. I think it's loving your people while they're here, like cherishing your people while they're here and, and loving them on their good days, loving them on their bad days, like being a safe space for people. Like there's so many people who go through it. And I was always told that everyone needs to, to know just a few good people. And although everyone, not everyone, but no, although a lot of people know my story and I opened it up because I want to be vulnerable and show people that it's okay. Like I very much have a few people that I go through, go to where a lot of people don't know things. And I think it's important to, as someone who's supporting those that are going through it to just allow people to be heard. Um, I think that, you know, my, another piece of advice is, you know, when someone comes to me and I try to remember to ask you, would you like advice or would you like to be heard? And I think that asking that question gets them to think about one, what they truly want. And two, um, it gives them an idea of, you know, 
hey, like, I just feel like I need to be heard today. Or, hey, like, I really do need some advice. And I think that, you know, everything I just said goes for people with mental health and those without. Like, being a good person is deeper than just caring about people with mental health. You got to just learn to love people and cherish your people and, and while they're here because you just never know the last time you get to talk to someone. Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree. I think I think you're wasting time if you're not telling the most important people to you who, you know, that you love them. Even if it's even if it's a phone call every, you know, two months or like a random text or I don't know, sending like sometimes I'll send like Instagram reels or TikTok videos to my friends and be like, this reminds me of that, you know, one night we did this and like, wow, I miss you. Like, I hope all is well. Right. Like just kind of like random because life does like I've realized as I mean, I'm not like I'm only 26, but like I've realized as I've gotten older and as I've gotten out of this like college bubble where it's really easy to interact with people and like see everyone that you care about every single day or every other day or every week. And we're more spread out. Like it does take more of an effort, but like, I truly believe that effort is worth it. And like also selfishly, like I get something out of it when I call my friends, like and catch up with them, you know, like, I hope like they walk away and are like, wow, it's so good to talk to Kat. But also I'm like, it was so good to like, call Trey and like get on the phone and like catch up with like everything he's doing and remind him like, you know, how much I love him and value him. Um, so I think that's really important. I know we're, we're coming up on time. Um, is there anything that you're kind of doing now to help, help with your own mental health? I mean, I'm assuming your family didn't relocate to Australia, but maybe they did. So some of your, most of your support system, um I'm assuming it's still in the states but like what kind of are you doing to you know keep keep yourself like I don't don't know how to phrase the question but I feel like you know what I'm getting at yeah um so I'm in counseling here I have a great counselor um I you know stay in contact with my friends and family um you know, for me, I, I think it's important to find like your getaway. And for me, like, it's like, I'm at a point now where I obviously love basketball, but it's a job. It's not just, you know, it's, it's a legit job. Like I'm getting paid, like I have to perform. And so at times like my getaway isn't basketball anymore. And I'm currently dealing with a concussion. So I can't even play. So it's like finding, ways to just get away and so for me it's trying to find little things in life to be grateful for it's video games with my friends it's facetiming people i love and i care about it's just staying connected because for me staying connected is is important and it helps me um helps me to remain afloat um so yeah Awesome. Um, I just want to say like another huge thank you for just sharing all of your experiences. I know it's, it's not easy to talk about and it can be really hard to talk about, but I do think at the end of the day, it's really important. And that while I hope that a lot of people are impacted by it in like a positive 
way, you know, like hearing someone like you talk about your firsthand experience, I know at least one person will be impacted. Um, and I feel like that's all, all I can ask for when I have these conversations is like, if I can just help, like, like my Morgan, like if we can just help like your Zach, you know, someone else's Zach, like someone else's Morgan, um, that's kind of what I'm here for, but I am really, really grateful because I know it's not easy in like at all to, to discuss. So thank you for opening up and for, you know, talking about it. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. It's, um, I think it was a little tougher just because yesterday and I didn't really get to process all of that, but you know, I think it is important conversations to have. I love what you guys are doing. incredibly huge thank you to Trey for coming on the mental matchup and really being I think as vulnerable as a human being can possibly be I think what Trey shared I mean left a huge impact on me in reflecting upon our conversation and I am just so grateful that he was able to share everything that he did and I'm really hoping it helps you know anyone listening kind of I don't know know that there's there's more more out there and that how you're feeling is will be fleeting and you know life does have its ups and downs um yeah Trey I think was just an amazing guest and if you want to get in touch with him you can find him on Instagram at Trey Moses if you want to get in touch with the mental matchup submit a story come on the podcast you can head to the mental or you can send us a DM at The Mental Matchup on Instagram. And last but not least, a huge, huge thank you to Morgan's Message for presenting this podcast. We would not be able to have these incredible conversations if not for them. If you want to get in touch with Morgan's Message, get involved, head to morgansmessage.org or follow along on Instagram at Morgan's Message. And with that, we will see you next episode.